So, um, now concerning the rules of prayer, there are, at, there are times when it would look like the Lord um, does seem to waive some of these rules. Now, he's not waiving it because um, uh, he's doing that because maybe the person is still a babe in Christ. The person just gave their lives to Christ. Just like when little babies or infants are talking, parents try to make out what they're saying and answer them. Amen? So God does that. When you're a babe, that's why it will seem like some people say that when they're baby Christians, everything seems to be working. So, but now that they've spent some time, it looks like there's a slowdown on some of the things that when they ask God for things, it does not seem to be going their way. But it's not that. It's that God expects you now to know how to do things. Amen? Now, the first rule of prayer is the fact that we should be in him, abide in him, and allow his word to abide in us. John chapter 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Ye there is you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. It didn't even say my word. He said my words. Hallelujah. Now, if you go to um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So let the word of God dwell richly in you. This is vital. That is why you need to read the Bible, spend some time to put it inside of you. Hallelujah. Let it become a part of your inner consciousness. Amen. Now, what does it also mean to abide? Because you continue to abide in him. To abide means that you are in Christ and that you are in the doctrine of Christ. Or in the teachings of Christ. Uh, let's see 1 John chapter 2 verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all th- of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as he hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Hallelujah. So it is you abiding in the teaching. The Spirit of God will teach you, and you abide in him. Hallelujah. The teaching is based on the word of God. That's how we know the spirit of God. We don't believe every spirit. We test the spirit to see whether they are of God or not. Amen. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. He said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So he's trying to say here that the spirit teaches through men. Hallelujah. And through your private study in the word of God, as you allow the Lord to teach you, um, he will teach you. Praise the Lord Jesus. So we don't believe every spirit. But how do we know the spirit that is of God and that we abide in him? Hallelujah. 
He said, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is it in the world. He said, but ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now let's go to John, 2 John. 2 John chapter 1 is a one-chapter book. It says, for many deceivers are entered into the world, verse 7, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, anybody who does not acknowledge that is an antichrist, Amen. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. It says, now look to yourselves that you lose not those things which you have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. You know, we're talking about abiding, praise the Lord. We're talking about the rules of prayer. And the first thing is that we're abiding in Christ, Amen. And to abide in Christ means to abide in the teaching, the doctrine. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. That person does not have God in him. That's how you begin to, you know, look at what people are saying. Today somebody says, you know, um, that, well, we can, we can, we can uh, 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 do some things that the scriptures are totally against, you know like same-sex marriage. As soon as that person entered that road, they are no longer abiding in the doctrine. It means that God has departed from that person. The truth has left that person because it's clearly written in scripture. Now somebody says that, okay, you can, you can steal, it's okay. That person has abandoned the doctrine to something else. Hallelujah. You can eat things offered to idols. That person has abandoned the doctrine and gone into something else. Hallelujah. You can marry more than one wife anytime you like, you know. Or a woman have two husbands or a woman can uh, 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 be in love with her cat or her dog and all of that. You've gone out of the doctrine. So he says, if whosoever transgresseth, and abided not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abided in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that bided him God's speed is a partaker of his evil deeds. We are dealing with prayer. So when your prayer is not answered, you need to ask yourself, am I in the doctrine? Am I in Christ? Hallelujah. Now, we're supposed to allow his word dwell richly in us and abide in the word. As he's teaching us, we abide in him. Amen? As the word of God is coming to us, we abide in him. We change, the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
There's some things you can do with your body because it's your act of spiritual worship to keep your body holy to the Lord, dedicated, devoted to God. You can't put nicotine in the body because it's sanctified. It's set apart unto God. Amen? Hallelujah. Number two. So we said, abide in him, allow his word to abide in you. That's number one. Number two, decide what you want from God before you come. In Matthew chapter six, verse seven, it says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Verse eight, be not, be, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your heavenly father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Decide what you want from him before you come. There is preparation for prayer. Prayer is serious business. Number three, make sure you're coming believing. When you come to God, you must believe that he's going to answer you. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hallelujah. You must be confident. You can't believe except you have, the ba- have a basis upon which you're laying whatever you're asking for. Let me give an example. If you don't know that the government offers some things, you can ask for it as a citizen. It might be your right, but if you don't know that they have such things, you can confidently request for them. Praise the Lord Jesus. But you can request when you know. Before you come to God, it is important that you're coming in faith. And faith is not possible where the will of God is not known. I'll say it again. Faith is not possible where the will of God is not known. If I do not know the will of God, I cannot confidently come to God. And I'm supposed to do that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for that you will find in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Praise the Lord. Now, can we have the amplified classic version of this particular scripture? Amen. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith, perceiving as real fact, what is not revealed to the senses. So, and this we cannot be certain of, except there is a legal basis for our request. And how do we establish that? By going into the scriptures and finding out where God provided for those things. A promise of God. A scripture that says we can ask for it. Now, you, the, the Bible t- is, is against covetousness. I, I see somebody's home. As I like it, Lord, give me his home. It doesn't work like that. God will not answer such a prayer. Because he's not provided for in his word. 
The Bible tells us something that we need to, First uh, John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us according to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, how do we know his will? The word of God is God's opinion concerning all things. I'll say it again. The word of God is God's opinion, expressed opinion concerning all things. And it's also his will. The word of God is God's wisdom. He says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his word, you can, you know, change that word to according to God's opinion or God's word, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions, the definite requests that we have asked of him. Amen? We know. So comfy, to, to be, you need to be confident when you're coming to God. Hallelujah. And come in faith. Praise the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, in James, let's, let's go to James. Uh, when we pray in faith, or we, when we pray without faith, then our prayer will be ineffective. Or we're dancing all over the place because we're not sure. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Which means he won't scold you for coming. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. Driven with the wind and tossed. He said, but let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So you already zeroed out if you're coming with a double mind. A double mind is a mind of doubt. You're saying, oh, he might do it or he might not do it. Am I sure he will do it? This is the reason why you need to get a scripture that definitely promises you what, what God, that, that what you're asking for is provided for in the word of God. Amen? Number four, prayer has to be verbalized. The fourth rule of prayer is that it has to be what? Verbalized. Prayer has to be brought into this realm for it to be effective. If your prayer is not brought into the realm of life, it's not effective. It's not a valid request as far as God is concerned. I'll say it again. You know, uh, in the religious world, when we were in the world, uh, we will pray in our hearts. Just ask God for things in our hearts and all of that. And the thing about religion is that you're not certain it will be answered. Prayer has to be verbalized. Matthew chapter 6 verse 7. Remember when we make any statement in the, in the, or we, we, we affirm anything or try to, um, what's the word now? We declare anything concerning God, it has to be provable or based on something he has said. We can't claim God will do something he has not said he will do. Verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things 
ye have need of before ye ask him. He knows what you need. So he knows, he sees your heart. Before you came to him, he could see your heart. But he doesn't do anything about it until you say something. Hallelujah. God wants to hear your voice. Amen. Every time we're sending prayer requests to people, it's because we feel inadequate or we want other people to join their faith with us. Understand that the people are joining their faith with you. Don't drop a prayer request if you don't believe. That when they join with you, it will be answered. You know, some people, and you must be listening to the, to the instructions of the prophet or the man of God to whom you are sending the prayer request. You know, there was a lady who came. She brought us this long list of the things that she wanted God to do for her and her son and all of that. So I said, we have prayer in 15 minutes. Please wait behind. So we use you as point of contact to pray for your son. She disappeared. She thinks um, it's your job. I'm I'm just going to lay it on you and I I walk away and I can do whatever I like when I go out there. It doesn't work that way. It has never worked that way. Nobody tells us all those things. It's not true. You have to abide in him. And the Bible says, believe in the Lord your God, so shall he be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you what? Prosper. When they give you a prophetic instruction, follow it. Jesus said to the, to the ten, leper, ten lepers that came to him, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. They could have stood there and said, you know, we're not clean. How can we go show ourselves to the priest? No, it doesn't work that way. This is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has his own rules has his own rules. So when we bring our prayer to God, we have to follow the instructions because we want answers. Now let's look at a situation that clearly shows us that God does not answer prayers. We just say it in our hearts and that's it. No. We can believe something in our heart and act on it. For it is an act based on the word of God and God will answer us with It doesn't require prayer. That's an act of faith. I put my tithe down and I expect that he will open the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. So I said, Father, I thank you for the blessing. Hallelujah. And he's supposed to rebuke the devourer for my sake. And I absolutely expect him to do that. Amen. All right. There's a story in the Bible in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, concerning a certain blind beggar. He said, they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. He was a beggar. And when he was a panhandler, you know, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He says, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. 
but he cried the more a great deal. There was trouble. So he was not looking at anybody's uh, thing, you know. He was not trying to be psychedelic about it. This guy was, you know, in trouble and he needed help. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he called thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? You see, he is God. He knows what we're thinking. And he could even see the man's condition. But he didn't do anything until the man made a request. The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Next verse. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Amen. Now, when I say prayer of faith, intercession or supplication, it has to be a spoken request into this earth. Now, you do not necessarily need to shout or speak loudly. You don't need to say it as loudly as I'm saying it right now. Your neighbor sitting beside you does not have to hear what you're saying. God hears a whisper. <laughs> 